Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, the Renault Dealer of the Year and most Google-reviewed dealership in Ireland. For award-winning customer service you can trust, visit us today. Blackstone Motors, drive with peace of mind. 041 983 You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio, straight to business. Almost a week ago, yes, last Friday, we spoke to Professor Des Walsh. He's a professor of theoretical physics ahead of his expedition to prove that the world is flat. It's happened. He's back. What's the story? Des, nice to talk to you again. Jerry, thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming back to us. Well, what is the story? Is this world we live on flat? It certainly is, Jerry. How can, how can you say that? What have you done to prove your point? Well, myself and a team of scientists have scaled the wall. Um, Dr. A. Kelly went to the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, we joined up a little later than thought. We have six hours of footage um, that will absolutely prove it's flat. We didn't live stream because we felt our signals would be compromised, but I've been assured it will be available in two weeks. Okay, so you now you have two weeks, so you could trick about with technology and create something yourselves because you told me last Friday that these images of the planet we live on and, and, and what we're streamed, you know, can be computer generated. Yeah, you, you're you have time to do that now. You're absolutely correct, Jerry. Well, that's the reason we have round earth scientists, we have them on the expedition. It's going to be independently verified. Uh, so there will be absolutely no doubt that it's. Um, legitimate footage. Now explain about this wall of ice. So look, let's describe. You're saying that, are you saying the Earth is a a sphere? Is the Earth a sphere? No, it's a flat disk, Jerry. So it's a a flat disk. Yes, we have footage from both sides uh, that will clearly prove that it's flat. Uh, We brought our balloonists right over on both sides. Uh, there's about six hours of footage, so there'll be no doubt about it. We live on a flat disk. It's surrounded by our ice wall. This ice wall is over 150 foot high, if not slightly higher in areas. Where does the sun come into this? As in? You know, the, the sun, we see the sun in the sky every day. It sustains life on this planet. If we hadn't got it, we'd be gone. There'd be nothing, there'd be no human life. There'd be no probably oh, life. Jerry. Jerry, the sun exists on flat Earth, absolutely. It's, uh, the best way we can describe it is, is um, it rotates round our flat Earth almost like a spotlight. Okay, so that's what so that's you say. That's we can describe it, yeah. The sun certainly exists, and it's much closer than, than we think. 
Okay, now, so you say this is a flat disc that we live on. You went to the edge of this disc uh, where you say there is an ice wall. Yes. And what happened then? Did you, can you, can you get over this ice wall? Yes, we went well over. And when you go over... And in fact, the... most of our footage is from the far side. Okay, so is that our, is that space? Is that what we know as space beyond no, that one? No, uh, we wouldn't, we, uh, we went to the flip side. That's underneath, underneath Flat Earth. Uh, it's pretty incredible, as as Dr. Ray described it or tried it. He said there's simply no words to describe what it's like. Um, it's a magical place, extremely rugged. I guess it's like, um, as I explained to your researcher, the Garden of Eden untouched by humans. So we live on the upper side of this disc. Yes. And on the underside of this, this disc, there is another world untouched. Uh, untouched, yes. Um, the footage is pretty incredible. Is it like is it like the upside Earth as we know it, or is it different from what you saw? The best way to describe it, Jerry, is uh, not that I know or anyone that's alive can know, but it's I guess it's like the Garden of Eden, uh, simply untouched, uh, natural beauty, huge waterfalls, um, huge flowers, huge. I suppose you could almost describe them as huge, huge herbal gardens that go as far as the eye can see. Um, so we spend a lot of time uh, sampling and doing research like that. But the guys who are documenting, um, it's pretty incredible stuff. So are you? if you get to this flip side, can you walk it like you walk the upper side, the earth as we know it? Yes, we grounded the balloons twice. Uh, it's, it's different in many respects. It's almost um, like joint ledges, if that's a good way to describe it. Mm. Um, like a huge um, cave areas and places um, and then there are openings into into nothingness. What about gravity in this whole thing? They say gravity keeps us, you know, on the ground here. No, we don't believe it exists at all, Jerry. Um, Flat Earth um, has a constant upward movement of about 9.81 square metres per second. Uh, That's what gravity is. People don't realise that. It's a constant upward motion of our flat Earth. So when people think uh, gravity exists here on the upside, um, we believe it certainly doesn't. Did you see any signs of life? Uh, well, that's the point. I didn't, but Dr. A and his team apparently have um, footage of undocumented animals. Um, they found it quite hard to explain, but the actual footage, I think it's probably going to be the most interesting part of the trek. Um yeah, so that's that's going to be very so interesting. You have spotted life. Uh, you mentioned waterfalls, growth there, similar to here, untouched. You know, I'm sitting here today, and I'm sure everybody listening says, "Oh my God, Jerry, what is this all about? Have we lost the run of ourselves? Why are you talking yeah, to this we man?" We get that a lot, Jerry. We, yeah, I'm sure you do. But like, you know, realistically, like this flies in the face of everything we've been taught, we've been led to believe and that we think about every day that we live on this globe with gravity that's part of a solar system. It's a round sphere. Well, yes, Jerry, yeah, absolutely. Well, there is a myth out there that our ice wall is protected by NATO forces and it would be pretty impossible to breach this. That's incorrect. Now, we spend uh, quite a long time researching this and we have located, in fact, three areas where it can be breached. We breached it in two over the last few days. I guess that's the main reason people um, <clears throat> they think it. You know, I guess why that's why past expeditions uh, failed. 
Why would this only be coming to light now? Why is this being kept for, from us if it's true? If if the world is totally different than we believe? Well, if you think about it, Jerry, I explained to you the last day one of the reasons um, NASA is the main pusher of this. I mean, we feel it's a huge global, it's, as they call it, a, glo- a conspiracy to push the globe agenda. Uh, they get trillions every year in funding. So, I mean, and they use that for, <laughs> as I said to you last week, more covert operations, maybe military operations, etc., etc. I won't go into that. So if you can convince people um, the Earth is a sphere, then outer space has to exist, and outer space exploration uh, is a priority, certainly since the Cold War. Mm. Uh, you know, the Americans and Russians were in a battle with each other to... Um, to to outbid each other and we, I mean we believe the the moon landing is fake yeah completely we do you, um, you don't believe that no no we don't believe that at all I have a question from we a listener Hollywood fabrication I have a question from a listener I suppose it is a valid one Jerry will you please ask Dr Walsh where did he get his PhD and ask him which institution awarded him this right this has been asked quite a lot. I studied in the state for years. Uh, all this information will be in our publication, which will be out in two weeks. Okay, but everything, she... and that includes the team. Uh, not all the team, but I'd say eighty percent of the, the team's um, qualifications, background, um, et cetera, et cetera. Is it true that the fund for this is approximately six million, and that yes. there are a lot of private backers and investors behind yes. you? That is true. I mean, an expedition of this nature is uh, an extremely expensive thing to do. Uh, We simply had no choice in that. Yeah, there's quite a few million behind it. Yeah. My God almighty, here I am at this age of my life and everything. I'll just tear up the pages here before I let you go because uh, what do we believe anymore? So you say, you know, you're very definitive about this. In two weeks' time, this is all going to be completely in the public domain. Where? Where will we? Will this be? Uh, selected social media. I'd, um, I'll be talking to people this evening about it and uh, it will be posted on Facebook. It'll be on YouTube. It'll be on Twitter. Uh, you certainly won't miss it. Uh, we initially, uh, we wanted to live stream it, but uh, we felt the live stream would be compromised. We received information of this nature. Okay, well, look, we uh, await... People are just fine about that, but, the, you know, that's life. Yeah, we await with bated breath. Thank you for joining us again. I look forward to hearing from you down the road about this once more. Professor Des Walsh, thank you for joining me again on Late Lunch today. Jerry, much appreciated. Take thank care you. of yourself. Bye-bye, bye-bye. 86 658 Yes, we are real people here on Late Lunch in LMFM. That's the WhatsApp or text number 1850-715-958 we'd like to call in. From Flat Earth to Spuds next. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, the Renault Dealer of the Year and most Google-reviewed dealership in Ireland. For award-winning customer service you can trust, visit us today. Blackstone Motors, drive with peace of mind. 041-983-1100. First, it was eggs on the side of the road from machines and people are availing of them all over the northeast and beyond. Now it's potatoes and in a year when it's been difficult for potato growers and the price is going up, well this appears to be good news. I'm joined on late lunch this afternoon by Jerry Finnegan, who's a potato grower from Chairman Feckin in County Louth. Jerry, good afternoon to you. 
Hello, how are you doing, Jerry? I'm doing very well. Thanks for taking our call this afternoon. Jerry, potatoes from machines. Is, is this new? Is, is, is this a first for us here in this area? It's not a first. There, there are a number of machines in the northeast already. Some other farmers have put them in. And why have you decided to go this route now? I've decided to go this route for a couple of reasons. One, I'm a small potato grower. We only grow a small amount. And secondly, there's a big difficulty for small growers to access the market at the minute. Why is that difficulty there? What are you talking about? Getting into shops, uh, small shops, large multiples, what? Well, the multiples is all done through agents who want nothing short of lorry loads. They want 24-tonne lorry loads, which is a substantial amount of uh, potatoes in one go. And they have various conditions and rules. And in a year of oversupply, the price is deplorable. This is an attempt to try and level out the volatility that's in the potato industry. So for yourself, Jerry, a small enough grower, that's not an option really for you. How many, uh, how many acres do you till? Uh, normally five. This year, lucky, I have ten. And what varieties of potatoes are you growing? Uh, Queens and Rooster. OK, two very common varieties as well. The Queen early and then the Rooster coming in a little bit later on. Yeah. So uh, prior to this, when you had the five acres, how did you sell your potatoes? Where did they go to? Well, I I sell at a, at a market, and I do sell to I do sell to a couple of van men and that, you know. Right. Okay. Yeah, I would have I would have a few sources to get them out. Like uh, I sell to a wholesaler in Dublin as well. Okay, so you have some roots there, but obviously you mentioned the price there. The price has been depressed for quite a number of years. Yeah. But hey, Jerry, you boys are on the pig's back this year. There's uh, going to be a, a steep rise in the cost of potatoes. I can see it already. Yeah, well, there will be a steep rise, but there's also a steep reduction in the amount of potatoes that's, uh, that's on the acre. Mm. Like, you're down 40% on yields. That's a big drop, isn't it? And that's been due to the wonderful summer, yes. Yes, due to the dry summer. And, uh, like, the plants have had no choice, only produced less. The moisture wasn't there to feed them. Even though we got a little bit late on, it still hasn't been enough, no? It has helped, but it still hasn't affected because a number of the plants had thrown off a lot of the tubers that they started to farm. Okay, so that's where we are uh, today. Now, come back to this machine. Where did you get this machine? Who makes them? Uh, well, the machines are imported to Ireland by, uh, into Ireland by an agent in Dundalk. And where is your machine exactly? The machine is on the, uh, along the road on the fr- at the front of the house. In Termonfecken? Yeah, in Sheetland Road, Termonfecken. Okay, so the machine is there. What weight of potatoes does it dispense? It will dispense anything from a very small bag up to a max of 10 kg. And what have you in your machine? 5 kg. OK, very popular weight, actually, for people to buy yeah. as well. How much will it cost me for 5 kg of Jerry Finnegan's lovely spuds? €5 Euro today. That money is going directly to you. There's no middleman. You don't have to pay anybody. It's yours. That's correct, yeah. So there's a huge benefit there for you as a producer. Yeah, but there's also a fair cost in setting this up. These things don't happen, as the fellow says, without investing in them. There's a substantial investment after being made in the machine and the surroundings for it. We have to recover a bit of that back, but it's a long-term project. So you see this being something that'll be part and parcel of what you do going forward, selling directly to Joe Public as they pass by Sheetland Road? Correct.
We took a look, Jerry, today at the prices across the board in the supermarkets, and in super value, you can get a 4kg bag of potatoes for €5, euro, and the same in Tesco. If you go heavier in weight, 7.5kg with Tesco is seven fifty, which is about the same as yourself. Yeah. So obviously you would have to sell to those, we're just taking Super Value and uh, Tesco as an example, at a lesser rate. Oh, correct, yeah. We would have to sell to them at a lesser rate. And it's little better than break-even because potatoes are the most expensive crop to grow in Ireland per acre. There's a lot of looking after on them? Yeah, it's working out on close to 3,000 per acre to produce an acre of potatoes. So this machine, obviously, is a boon for you. I know you say you have a payback time there, but that will happen with time. But uh, it, it, it obviously has been difficult for you and other potato growers to have to sell your produce at a very low rate. So you were getting very little margin on it, were you, in previous years? Yes, well, we were getting non-existent margins at times. Non-existent? Yeah. We were actually given, we were given away money with the spuds. Oh, that's incredible, isn't it? That that goes for all growers. Like when when you see potatoes at real low money, it's the grower that's carrying the losses because everybody in between takes the margin. Is that why so many people have got out of spud growing in recent years? Yeah, well, sure. People are getting out of farming in general. If you look at beef, it's the same. Look at lamb. Everything is heading one direction. You're not confident about the future then overall, no? Well, I see major problems at the minute, but there is only one thing. Every person needs a farmer 1,000 times per annum. That is a lot of engagements, isn't it? With Yeah. Every time somebody sits down to have a meal, some farmer somewhere has produced that food. But we are a fantastic country, a green country with, in general, a, a very uh, good climate for growing potatoes and many other crops as well. Surely this should be a bedrock of farming in, in Ireland. It should be, but the, the problem is, it's sustainability. We have a problem with the sustainability of some of the prices that's been offered to the farmers for produce. So what's driving the price down? Where, where is the, this coming from? They race to the bottom to give producers cheap food. And that, you believe, is detrimental and will be detrimental in the long term to producing good quality home-produced food on farms here in Ireland? Yes, it's detrimental to it. The reality is, when you see something very cheap, you have to consider, how can that be produced for that price? Yes, it is a consideration and it's going a direction. I have to say, I've mentioned this many times on Late Lunch here on LMFM in the wrong direction, totally the wrong direction. The reality today is most housewives are spending more money on toiletries in their shopping than they are on food. I think that puts it clearly in perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. The machine, back to the machine again. So you'll top up this machine going on. There's obviously an alert process in it as it empties. How long is it there and have you had much custom so far? It's in three weeks. It's building up nicely. It takes time for it to build up. Like, it takes a year to get it established. And you're in for the long haul here? Yeah. Anything to do with farming is long term, not short term. I'm just thinking... Eggs we're familiar with, potatoes now, we have uh, the machines coming for, for those and you have one of them here on our doorstep. Do you see this developing further for other produce that will be sold direct to the public from the farm? 
hopefully if the machines advance that two, three different items can be put into it and someone can pull up and select what they want. Could it happen with milk? Could it happen with beef? To a certain extent it has to happen because the dominance of our multiple trade in Ireland is getting to a dangerous level. So the fight back is on? Yeah, well the fight back is on but it's also a dangerous level for the consumer as well as the producer. Great to talk to you today. Wish you well with the machine. I'll be out that way for a sample shortly. Come ahead and I'll give you a sample. <laughs> a good man yourself. And by the way, I'll be paying me five euro for them. I want to support you because I understand what you've been saying to me and what we've been talking about. The importance of our farming community and producing our food here in this country at a price that leaves everybody happy. The producer, the consumer and all involved. Jerry Finnegan, good luck to you with the spud machine. Thank you very much. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. You do know at this stage here on LMFM Radio, we're paying particular attention this week to road safety. It is National Road Safety Week and across all of our shows, we are looking at different aspects of the roads and our safety on them. And I just want to let you know that it's proudly sponsored by the Ireland edition of The Times and you can subscribe today at thetimes.ie forward slash join. With this in mind, I'm delighted to welcome my next guest to the show. I've met him a number of times on Late Lunch in different guises. He's the former Chief Superintendent of the Loudmead Garda Division and now Mead Road Safety Officer. Mick Finnegan, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you very much for joining me on this this particular week. Mick, going back to your career in the garden when you started off on that and you're a native of Galway as we know and you were first sent to Nobber, am I right? In 1971 correct, was it correct. Mick? I went to Nobber when I was told I was going to Nobber. I hadn't a clue where it was but I've still great friends in Nobber. It's the nicest place on earth. Do you remember in your early posting there the first accident you ever had to deal with? I do Jerry. I was in Nobber uh, in late 1971 and in early 1972 I went to an accident uh, thrown in at the deep end in Kilmena mode. Uh, it was a serious accident where there were three people seriously injured and uh, it was quite obvious to me and to everyone there that one of the drivers was drunk. It was, uh, anyway, he decided he was hurt as well so he was taken away by an ambulance and uh, he was subsequently charged with dangerous driving but not drunk on driving. And it it, it was, it was an, a huge introduction to me in relation to it. He was totally wrong in the accident the accident was caused by alcohol, absolutely no doubt about it. But at that time, the proofs uh, and the evidence needed for a drunken driving prosecution were much greater than they are now, and mm. it was impossible to mm. get a charge. But it made an impression on you, Mick, that Absolutely, first. yeah, because he was totally at fault in the accident. There was a man and a woman in the other car who did absolutely nothing wrong. They were seriously injured, and... Uh, it was a travesty, you know, that, that he was mm. lucky enough he had insurance. But other than that, he, he was totally and utterly wrong in the accident. There were no fatalities, thank God, in that particular accident. No. There was injuries and, and the follow-up to be dealt with by people involved. That's right. Do you recall the first time you were involved with a fatality in an accident? And more to the point, Mick, it must be one of the toughest jobs that any guard has to do, going to a family home. I do very well. I can still remember, Jerry, and it happened. I was in Kells uh, sometime around the mid-70s or the, maybe 1974, and I had to go to a house near Oldcastle one night to tell 
a tragic story to a family that their daughter was after being killed in a traffic accident. I had been at the accident. It happened in the Kells area. And uh, I went there and I had, and I know other guards at the time had, there was no mobile phones. There was no phones in some of the houses. I went to the house, but I would always get a friend of the family, try and find out who a friend might be. And in that case, I inquired. And this family was friendly with a parish priest in the locality. I took him out of bed at about half twelve, quarter to one at night and told him the story and he said yes I'll definitely go with them but he he decided he'd bring another neighbour a woman that was friendly with the lady in the house I knocked on the door and I was in uniform it was at half one I'll never forget it at half one in the morning and I'll always remember this lady coming to the door and the minute she saw us she threw her hands up and she said named her daughter she said has she been killed couldn't believe it she said, we thought she had been told she hadn't but she saw us at the door and she knew something was tragically wrong straight away straight away she knew it and it was the most tragic scene if something would live with you you'd lie awake in bed thinking about the tragic news that she had to give to that lady that night it was it's, it's heartbreaking it's heartrending stuff and I'm sure Mick no matter what the circumstances what the age of the person is who it is it's never easy or never gets any easier to deliver that news it never ever gets any easier because it's a tragic story to have to tell somebody it is just an awful story to have to knock on anyone's door I suppose things have changed slightly now because there was IT now and mobile phones uh, somebody rings them or they get somebody to mm. ring them and um, the, the scenario now the guards wouldn't have to go to houses as often because they are yeah. told but at that stage it was basically down of to the guards to go and break the news it's a huge part of your job you yeah, know when there was only the telephone and nothing else yeah, nothing that else we had. it's just tragic a tragic you, you also came across in your time uh, the Kentstown bus crash I did Jerry yes I'll never forget that that accident happened on in nine, in 2005 on the 24th of May 2005 I was working in Balbriggan and I was in Kentstown on the way home and uh, I got a phone call. I'll always remember it from Pat Cannon and Navin, and he told me that uh, there was news coming in that a bus had crashed between Kinstown and Navin. I said, oh, I'm in Kinstown, and he said, you're probably going to come across it. I was came on the scene of the accident a few minutes later, and the fire brigades, ambulances, uh, guards were just arriving at the scene. And to this day, I get shivers when I think of it. It was absolutely tragic. There were roadworks on at the scene and what had happened really was there was after being a torrential rain for about a half hour, maybe three quarters of an hour, the county council were doing roadworks. They'd taken about an inch or an inch and a half of the surface off the road and they'd got down to a surface which was tarred and and completely smooth. And it rained and the rain this, the layer of, of tar at the bottom held the water and when the driver who was driving I knew the man well when he was driving it the minute he touched the brake going very slowly the bus aquaplaned what yeah. they call aqu- aquaplaned mm. on the water and there was witnesses particularly two cars travelling behind they said suddenly the bus went round in a ring as it was like opening a gate they described it like opening a gate it spun right round in a semicircle and the back of the bus hit the ditch the bus faced back towards Navin, the back of the ditch, back of the bus hit the ditch and the bus toppled over. Of course, there were no seatbelts on the bus because there didn't have to be. Yeah. There was no obligation for anyone to have seatbelts that time. But in while the bus was, tra- was turning over, a number of the students had been was thrown out through the bus. Some of them were thrown clear, thankfully, but a number of them landed on the bus, landed on the ground and the bus rolled over on top of them. There was absolutely 
tragic scenes at the, uh, there. The, all the youngsters had mobile phones at that stage. They were ringing their parents. They were in total panic. They were ringing their parents and within minutes the parents were arriving at the scene. We knew at the time that there were some people under the bus, but we had to get lifting equipment from King's Court was the nearest we could get it. So it was going to take time to get there. We could absolutely do nothing. But uh, there was a house nearby, Larner's house, I'll always remember, that was actually turned into a a home for looking after the... It was like like an A&E. Yes. There were 40, 50 casualties taken in there being treated by doctors, nurses and medical staff. The house was taken over. Every blanket, every bit of material they had in the house to lay it out on the floor. They did Trojan work that evening. But anyway, eventually, uh, some of the parents were able to account for their families. Some of them are seriously injured, very seriously injured, more less seriously injured. They were all taken to hospital in both the Lourdes Hospital here in Drogheda. And I was Avon. there, Mick. You know, that, that night I got a call. I was, wasn't was working with the radio. I was part-time at that stage and I was asked, would you go to the hospital? And I was meeting the ambulances coming in. I'll never forget the scene there either, Mick. That's tragic. Families following in as well. I'll always remember at one stage the guard decided he'd get in, try and get in under the bus and see how many was under because we couldn't account for how many was under and he got in on his belly in under the bus and he came out and he said there was four girls he thought under the bus but tragically when the bus was lifted there was five there and uh, I remember I'll always remember having to stand up on a bank uh, outside Larner's house and there was about 30 or 40 parents there they didn't know whether their their children were in the hospitals whether they were under the bus so at that stage with the, the guidance of Dr James Hayes who was at the scene he said we better tell them that there are casualties uh, it's better to tell them that at this stage and I told them that there were casualties we didn't know who they were which we didn't and we didn't know how many but we thought there were 400 and that they all appeared to be girls and the parents of all them girls were present at the scene and it was like going back to the lady in Oldcastle they immediately said it has to be my daughter it has to be my daughter because they hadn't seen her they couldn't account for them and tragically some hours later when the bus was raised and the bodies were taken out they subsequently went to the hospital in Navan and identified them yeah. It was one of the the worst road tragedies in this country It was a terrible Ever, tragedy yeah. and you know the, the man that was driving the bus he was completely mm. uh, not at fault in any way and he never got over that no, he I really know. never got over it it's and we remember them all as we speak about them here uh, this afternoon Mick talking in general terms you mentioned the first accident you ever went to and alcohol being involved when you look at then and now Mick what is the the number one or two main causes of death on the roads well there's no doubt back in the 70s 80s alcohol was the number Mm. one without any shadow of a doubt alcohol was responsible it was involved in probably in 90-95% of the collisions on the road and in the accidents both as drivers cyclists pedestrians whatever nowadays it's slightly changed speeding is the number one culprit now without any shadow of a doubt and in statistics um, that have been compiled very recently over the last number of years speeding is responsible for 27% of all fatalities over the last uh, five or six years. It's almost one in three. One in three. Speeding is number one, without a doubt. And uh, the the young males won't thank me for saying this, but young males are the culprits. Young men still. Young men still, uh, from 18 to 24, 25. And it's just in their mentality, they just will not slow down. And our message to them, through parents, through pals, girlfriends or whatever, to God's sake, get them to slow down. That's number one. Alcohol is back in the in the in the scene again. Alcohol uh, by drivers has increased, and if I can give you an idea, last year alone in County Meath there was a hundred percent increase in the number of people arrested for 
drunken driving. From the previous year? From the previous year, which is, is horrific figures. But That's the, shocking, Mick. It is shocking. Yeah, alcohol has come back into the scene again. The next one uh, at the present time is mobile phones, the use of mobile phones by drivers. Absolutely terrible stuff going on. And that's responsible in the last six years for 17% of the fatalities. That's a confirmed thing. The biggest culprits in that are females. So it's the Um, girls when it comes to mobile phones. Yes, the boys when it comes to to speeding. Uh, Women, females, both young and old, uh, using mobile phones. And the next biggest culprits are drivers of Arctics and drivers of lorries. Well, do you know, you mentioned that. I just want to read a message I've got. Jerry. will you mention while Mick is on with you about the N52 Kells Road into RD? I know it well. Where I have observed time and again, and as recent as yesterday, articulated lorry drivers on mobile phones as they turn into the town. Yes. It's, it's a big, big problem. It's a big, big problem. I'm looking at it every day of the week and they're driving articulated lorries with phones, one hand on the phone. I actually came across a thing recently on the M50 where I saw a fella driving an articulated lorry with his two knees and he's texting on a phone and you'd feel like pulling him out of the lorry. It's absolutely scandalous behaviour, you know. That is incredible, yeah. Mick. I saw he was driving... Because his... we've said it here before. When you sit into a car, any motorised vehicle, a motorbike, a car, a lorry, an Arctic, you are in charge of a potentially lethal weapon. Correct. You're dead right. And that's something we must, folks, yeah. think about. Think about all the time. Mick Finnegan is with us on Late Lunch. He's staying with us. I want to take a short break. We'll be back to talk more shortly. If you want to get in touch and join in the conversation, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text, or you can call in now on 1850-715-958. Mick Finnegan is with me on Late Lunch this afternoon, and we're continuing our focus on road safety. I want to say a big hello to Anne Burton. She's been on to us. You know Anne I yourself know Anne. well, Mick. Know Anne. And Anne wants to congratulate LMFM Radio on this uh, series of features right across uh, all shows on road safety. She says it's absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much and for those lovely words. Another texter on to us to say, Mick, uh, since you're on about drink driving, what about all those people who live their, leave their cars or vans in pub car parks or behind car parks on the way home then they hop in for a drink and they drive home that's a no-no Mick isn't it? It's a no-no really at this stage drinking and driving is a Mm. no-no there's no safe limit and the best thing if you're driving don't drink full stop zero if you're going out for the night arrange to have a driver have a designated driver particularly young people or need older people either have a designated driver enjoy their night and rotated amongst themselves every other week and it's not it's not rocket science and it leaves everybody safe absolutely well just before we leave uh, a drink can i just touch on drugs for a second yes and i know you were talking to louise earlier on and this statistic uh, really amazed me if you take a drug mick into your body or into your system you know the way alcohol moves through in a certain number of hours and you need to be cognizant of that as well we'll talk about that in a moment but just on the drugs I didn't realise this. It's, it's not gone in 24 hours. No, it's not. Drugs, a lot of young people are getting caught on this. If, so, if a young person goes out to a disco at the weekend and they take drugs, it doesn't matter. Some of the drugs, if you take heroin or into the stronger drugs, it will stay in your system longer. But if you take even the lighter drugs, they will stay on average in your system before anything between seven and eight days. Now, if you were out on a, for a Saturday night and you were unfortunate enough to have an accident the following Wednesday morning going to work, the guards are now obliged to test you for both alcohol and drugs if you're in an accident, even though you may not be responsible for the accident. If drugs show up, it, 
you've taken them three or four days earlier. The penalties for drug uh, conviction are the very same as for alcohol conviction. The very, very same penalties, which are extremely serious penalties. So days later, folks, we're just getting the message out there today. If you partake in even a recreation drug or that, it's in your system for up to a week. And if you're stopped, you will be hit with the full force of the law. Back to alcohol. This is another thing, Mick. Someone having a few good few points, say, on a weekend and, uh, you know, say a Friday, Saturday night. Alcohol doesn't wash out of your system, you know, when you wake in the next morning. No, it does not. If you take a pint, take a pint to be your pint again, a pint of anything like that, that's two units of alcohol. That stays in your system for two hours. Some guys I know would have eight or nine pints, seven or eight pints. If you take, say, eight pints on a Saturday night and you leave a pub at 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock, if you, that's in your system for 16 hours. So some, paddy, some people are getting caught the next morning going to work. It's still in their system. A, a pint is the equivalent of two units. That can be in your system up till the early afternoon it, or it, mid-afternoon. It can be in your system up till the mid-afternoon. There's one other thing, Jerry, that I just mentioned in relation to alcohol. It's the concentration of alcohol that, in your system that matters. It's only the presence of drugs in your system. Yes, OK. So and even though it's waning down after a couple of days, it's just the presence that will be Absolutely, yeah. a good point to make. Yeah. Now, Mick, on to pedestrians and the, the statistics are grim. Uh, with fatalities, isn't it? Aren't they? Yes. They are very, very grim, Jerry. If, if, for instance, um, th- the biggest risk period is very appropriate to talk about now is between October and January every year. They are the biggest period. So we're in that period. We're in now. that period now, and it's now. If, in 1990, it's a long time ago. There were 150 pedestrians killed on Irish roads. 150. That's the. My God, that's enormous, isn't it? That's the equivalent of every one of those killed practically in the, in the country last year. That last year, 2017, there were 31, and sadly there are 28 to date this year. So it's going to be higher this year yeah, by well, the looks. All like. the indications sadly, are we don't want anyone else to lose their lives. Now, uh, there's a couple of very interesting statistics out of all them numbers. 65% of the victims of road tragedies are female. 35 are men and also in relation to the tragedies only 2% were deemed or found to be using high-vis materials. 98% of them people were not using uh, high-vis materials and you know they're readily available we're giving them out through road safety the road safety authority are giving them out and another worrying statistic is 49% of the victims pedestrian pedestrian victims had alcohol consumed. So it's important uh, if you're out and about in the roads, you must be seen. You have to illuminate yourself. And the other thing, Tony Conlon has a great feature uh, on our social media, our motoring man, Tony, about what you should carry in your car for motorists. And he says every motorist should have a high-vis vest in their car because if you get a breakdown or you stop on the side of the road or you have to walk, you have that then, Mick. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's great advice because anybody goes... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's out without one is mad because you can get a pump cheek and it will get a breakdown anything can happen but I would advise nobody to go out on the road from now to over the next couple of months or at any time on the road without a high-vis jacket or something visible because it is difficult I as the driver any of us as drivers it's difficult to see somebody with dark clothes on the road All we're doing here and all that's going on on this Road Safety Week and all the, the, the brilliant advice you've given us Mick there and the stories you've talked about and what to look out for and what to mind about Is the message getting through Mick? It, well, it, ha- it is getting through, Jerry, because uh, there is a big reduction. The, the number are coming down. Say, for instance, in 2006, there were 20 people killed on the roads in Mead. Uh, the, in, in 2004, there were 30 people killed on the roads in Mead. It came, came down to, sorry, it was 22 in 2006. Uh, so far this year, there's three. So it is getting through. And I th- I, the one people that I would... Uh, thank for that are the younger people there's education programmes going on through Mead County Council through the guards through the Road Safety Authority and by and large the young people are taking it on board and they have to be thanked for the reduction figures mm. uh, it is getting through but it's like some politicians said one time there's a lot done but there's a lot more to do but that's good to hear and I, I asked that question for that specific reason to show that progress can be made one life lost is one life too much absolutely but with those numbers coming down it does does show that it is getting to, and I will say one thing. I think young people. I, I know young male drivers we mentioned, and 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 girls and women with the mobile phones and that as well. Uh, you know, young people. I'd say when it comes to the alcohol end of things, and you know, uh, other aspects of road safety are much better today than previous generations. Absolutely, and we absolutely, want to say that. Yeah. Give them credit as yeah, well. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I would give uh, an awful lot of credit to the young people for the reduction in fatalities on the road at the mm. present time through the education programs because they are, they do take it on board. The vast majority of them do take it on board.
Speed, just to sum up today, slow down, folks. Take a few kilometres off the clock. You're going to get there anyway. You know, and sometimes you'll be behind someone, you overtake somebody. I often see this myself. I have to say to myself, why bother? You're going to get there anyway. Slow down, reduce the speed, never drink, no drugs. Light up if you're a pedestrian, wear those high vids. If you're out and about, make sure you're seen, especially as Mick said now, clock will be changing shortly and it gets darker and darker earlier as, as well in the evenings. All those points to take on board, Mick. You're absolutely right, Jerry. Absolutely. Just, just think right. of those, folks. Yeah. Just concentrate on those and do something. As you listen to us today, go and do something and, and make a change. And, and w- one know. of the most influential uh, people with young guys, particularly in relation to speeding, is girlfriends and sisters and the like. And I'd exhort them to get these guys to slow down. Very, very important. Mick, before you leave us, I want to say one thing to you and tell listeners. Mick has been a fantastic help to Louise and myself in putting together our daily feature, Every Road Has a Cross to Bear. I thank you for that, Mick, as well, your help with that one and all the help you've given us here on the station uh, with this campaign this week. It's much appreciated. Thank you very much, Jerry. And I can tell you in, in, in return that uh, this programme has certainly caught the public imagination because I've talked to an awful lot of people who are not alone listening to it but are highly impressed by it. Mick Finnegan, uh, Mead Road Safety Officer on Road Safety Week. Thank you so much for joining us on Late Lunch this afternoon. Thank you, Jerry. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. I'm joined by royalty in the studio now. Yes, I'm delighted to welcome Martin O'Reilly, Prince of Breffney, to the show. He's lived in Australia since 1977. Big connections back here in Ireland. And he's home visiting family and friends at the moment. And he's with me on late lunch this afternoon. You are very welcome to the show, Martin. Thank you, Jerry. Nice to be here. Thank you for joining me. Tell us about your seed and breed and family. You were born shortly after World War Two. That's right. Yeah, actually... Um it had finished in Europe, the war, but it was still going on in the, in the Pacific. So, And who is your mother and father? Where do you come from? Okay, What's well, your seed and yeah, breed? All right. My, my father, Hugh O'Reilly, and um, as is one of my brothers and my grandfather and great-grandfather and so on. There's lots of them. <laughs> and um, he's from Cavan. And uh, his, uh, his, my grandfather left Cavan after the treaty because... Um, a bit of dissatisfaction. Oh, well, <laughs> it's been a quite a bit of dissatisfaction we, we in any, Ireland. We won't say any more over the about years, that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, um, and they ended up in the Navan area, um, farming. Mm-hmm. My father went to England just before the war, planning to go to New Zealand, and war broke out, and it wasn't a sort of time to be doing things like that then. And he met my mother, and she's an English background, and um, they married and had all of us. How and, many children? Uh, uh, there were five of us. Okay. Um, and were you all born in England? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What part of England did you live in? Well, we were, I were, I were all born actually in Essex. Right. Which is outside London. Yes. Then we lived mostly in Kent. Okay. Yeah. Lovely part of the country there, yeah? Yes, it is, yeah. But we lived in a very Irish situation. And what got me into this stuff really, I mean, my father was a very strong personality. Mm. And his background is very strong, but you know, the way I am now. Um, and... Uh, I was always kind of... Um, I suffered quite a lot from the older lads around the place who were not... Because uh, I was Irish and Catholic. Yes. Right, and six stones, that type of stuff. It wasn't just abuse with words. It was pretty rough. And this went on for quite a lot. 
And then um, later on I went to train as a priest, um, starting off in, um, with the Jesuits in England, and then I was sent to Spain to the English College. Mm. And uh, I went to a particular college that was set up in the time of Queen Elizabeth I. Now, she didn't like that, Queen Elizabeth, and she didn't like my family either. And um, when I left, um, I decided it wasn't for me after a few years. How many years and did you study for? Oh, about four altogether. Okay, yeah, yeah. so you said this is not for me. Yeah. And this yeah. was in England you were studying? I was in Spain by this time. Oh, Spain I, at that I started stage. Sorry. in England. Started in England, out of Spain at that stage. So you leave. What age are you at that then? Um, yeah, just before I was 21, I think it was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it, what happens then? Where do you go? Well, I, I decided to train as a nurse eventually. But before I got there, I went to some help from the authorities. You know, I'd paid stamps in my working before I went off. And they told me that I went, by going to that college, I'd broken the law of Queen Elizabeth I. And I was guilty of high treason. And they wouldn't give me anything. Now, I know other lads who left and that didn't happen. Mm. And, but they also treat my family very badly and always happen. So I think it's probably that combination that... Uh, do you think that's because of the Irishness? Oh, yeah. And your background? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you get nothing from Mother England. Ah, oh, God, no. <laughs> so where to from there? Well, I, um, after I finished there, I returned to, to live in Ireland. I mean, it's, it's, even though I didn't always live there, it's always been home. Mm. And it always will be. You know? So what took you to Australia? <laughs> well, this uh, is a bit strange. My cousin met my, my very good friend. He was my best man in my first marriage. And they got together and they got married. And sometime afterwards, we stayed in touch and they, they went to Australia. Or came to, yeah, went to Australia. And one day, I, I, was built, I bought a bit of land on the side of the Hill of Tara. Okay. And I built my house there myself. And were you still married at this stage? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. this is your oh, first yeah, marriage, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you lived there? Yeah, and I was... What years was that you were living at Tara? Uh, early, mid-70s, mid I suppose. Okay, yeah. yeah. Before you went yeah, to Australia yeah, in 77. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but in a historic place, let me say. You I living. know, and I really didn't want to go. I really didn't want to go. And uh, we got this letter from my cousin and her husband telling me what a wonderful time they're having, touring around for six weeks with a caravan, having fun. In Australia? Yeah, and my uh, wife at the time said, we can't do that. I said, I don't want to do that. And uh, she said, well, she, I, I think we should be able to do that, you know. Can't work all the time. But a young man with a family, he does have to work all the time. Mm. And... Um, I said, here we are on the, on the hill of Tara and you want to go and live in a caravan again. Because we lived in a caravan when we built the house. Okay. And I'd had enough. Anyhow, I, I just couldn't take anymore. I said, okay, toss a coin, the best of three. And Australia came twice. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'd do it, so I'd, I did it. <laughs> wasn't that, I don't mean the pun, wasn't that flippant, you know, with a coin too? It was really, but, but you see, I, you, I thought I'd get a bit of peace if I said that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we won't get into nagging just at this no, stage no, on no, the show. No. But anyway, you you mentioned had your children at that stage. Yeah, yeah? we had. Yeah. How yeah. many? Uh, no, no. When I left, when I left Ireland, we had three, and then we had another three over in, in Australia. Australia. Yeah. So you said bye bye to Tara and off to Australia yeah. to a caravan. No, no. The caravan was on Tara while I built the house. Yes. But you went to Australia we to, to Australia, a yeah. fixed abode, not a caravan yeah, or anything. Yeah. Like no, no. That. Okay. Never, yeah, yeah. So away you go in the, in the mid-70s. Now, look, I, I want to say this to you. I said I'm with royalty today because you are Lord Martin O'Reilly, Prince of Breffney. Will mm. you explain that to me? Well, it's not as grand as it sounds. It sounds really grand it to does, me. It does, doesn't it? But that's because people think of English royalty. 
Mm. And we're not. This is like... not founded in English royalty. No, no, no. That's the antithesis. It's much older. The Brehen? Yeah, it, the time of the Brehens. We're not Brehens. It's the time of the Yes, Brehens. okay. Yeah, but the... the um... Who, this title, where does it come from? Who does it come from? Well, it's been down my line. I mean, all the time. If you go back to how Breton law spread through Ireland in the very early days, and this has really come from oral tradition and stuff found on archaeological yes. and so on. It's very hard to prove anything. Mm. But um, uh, the, the the king of the West at the time was Connor, and he was... Um, a bit upset about the raiding parties crossing the Shannon because they were settled over there, but this side of the Shannon, they weren't settled at all. Mm. And so he sent his nephew, whose name was Rahli. And Rahli was told to take some troops and to establish law and order, and that's where it began. Okay, so it yeah. emanated from there. But obviously your father, grandfather, people before you have this title, yes? Well, they, I don't think they ever used it. Because the thing is, I mean, they, they, they knew about it and talked about what they were yes. and where they came from. They always lived in the same place. Mm. Um, but um, they had to survive because yes. o- O'Reilly was made a capital offence. Mm. To be O'Reilly was a capital right. offence under, under Elizabeth I. Okay, and, and you're back to this again. Yeah. You don't have much time for uh, the, uh, I can see, for, <laughs> for, the, for the crown. You've mentioned it several not, times. But look, being, you've, you've, um, revitalize this title you've brought it back with yourself yeah but I, I, it's not so much for the title this is how people can see it and recognize it as something going on right uh, and and what my i mean i'm too old to go far with it too far with it anyway okay but what what i want to achieve in whatever time i got left and this really came on after i retired and i had time to think about yes. things. and i looked at what had happened in the past and what why even as a young child, <clears throat> I never really understood some of the things that happened after the treaty, the treaty, 22. Yes. Yeah. And I thought, and my, I know my grandfather left Cavan because of it. Mm. Um, that the, um, it, leaving the large tracts of land with the people who we like to call planters, I suppose. Yes. And, and uh, they were given nothing. Mm. Um, and yet they're the ones who looked after everybody for thousands of years. Mm. Uh, and um, but what I think upset my grandfather more was the injustice of it for everybody, not for just because instead of having a situation where these families were in a position to have a good lifestyle and provide and care for people around them, which they did back then. I mean, Henry VIII got was angry with our system because it was too good to people. Mm. St. Patrick was angry because it was too good to people, you know, and so. Um, he, he left anyway. My grandfather moved away. He moved to Louth originally. Mm. He lived in Louth Village for a bit, and then um, then they got back into into County Meath and eventually ended up in Navan. Yeah, and um, it always puzzled me. I'd, I'd, I'd learned and heard a lot about Breton. I was actually brought up under the system, really, within the family. Yes, we, we lived that lifestyle. And mm. God helps if we didn't do it, you know. Mm. <laughs> and and so. I couldn't understand why, with this system so magnificent and so such equity, which is a key word, I believe, for people, um, and and when things went wrong, they weren't dealt with by bringing the big stick out straight away. It yes, was, yeah. I know, I know. With, what with you're all of at. that going on, why did they continue? They just the the, the RIC became the Garda Shikana. They wore almost the same uniform, and you know, you know what I mean. The laws, and they still hang people in Mount Joy. That never happened in the old days, you know. And I thought, why? Why did? Why can they not see this magnificent system that existed? 
Yes, so you, you're harking back to a system, you know, a system that's not in existence really today. No, we no, know about no. it. So what do you want? What, what do you want to achieve? Okay. What are you hoping yeah. to achieve? Anyway, because yeah. we have what we have today. Oh yeah, yeah, and I'm not. You arguing. have no rights to that land in Cavan. No, you no. sold up on the hill of Tara. Yeah, <laughs> you've been in Australia since 1977. Yeah, that's right. So what's your mission? Tell us why you're back. Oh, I, I, I'm not really looking for much from me because I don't think I've got the time to do it. But, but what I do want, what I do want, I want to engender enough interest, and for people with as much passion as I've got to say, this is something worth getting. And what can we get? We look for the principle that drives it. Mm. What, so what do, you it want to, do you want to bring this back to life again? This, do you want to re-educate people about the Brehen and yes. the titles that were handed down? And you, you want to set something up here now, do yeah. you? Well, I, by bringing it back to life, I don't mean we should establish the same system. I understand. Told, but I want to, the principles it works are basically equity. Yep. And Governments around the world, and I'm living in Australia now, and everybody mm. knows what sort of nonsense goes on there at the moment. Oh, listen, you are not, you are not alone. <laughs> oh, I know, oh, I know. And, but I'm not alone. And it's because I'm not alone in that is I know that we need to... Mm. We can do better. Can I tell you, you could have been part of that march in Dublin yesterday. There's an inequity in Ireland. <laughs> yeah, you know, I housing, know. the yeah, right yeah. to a home, mm. a roof over your head. Stay with us on late lunch. I'm going to give you a full title as I head to the break. Lord <laughs> Martin O'Reilly, Prince of Brefney from the Brehan System, is with me on late lunch this afternoon, and we have more to talk about in about three minutes' time. Martin O'Reilly, Prince of Brefney, is with me on late lunch this afternoon, and she's been sitting quietly in the corner here, but I want her to have a word with us now. Jacinta McManus is here, and she's a sister uh, of the man himself, Martin. Jacinta, you're very welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you, you Jerry. Uh, for joining me. Um, Tell us about this man here and, you know, you staying in touch with him. You have been. You were born in England as well, weren't you? I was born in England, but we moved over here when I was three. Yeah. And uh, so I don't remember living in England. And I've always been Irish. My father was so very Irish, as Martin has explained. And uh, so was my mother. And yes, I lived in Wilkinston. And uh, Martin lived in Tara. And so we saw a lot of each other. And mm. I grew up with his children when they were growing up as well. And uh, I was very, very sad when he was going to Australia. I was, uh, what age was I? I can't remember, 11? I think I was 11. You still remember that? I was younger, was I? Yeah, Yeah. no, no, I didn't want him to go. I thought it was wrong. I had this feeling that he shouldn't be going where he was going or that he didn't want to go. And I found out then in latter years that Mm. I was right. Mm. But anyway, it's it's lovely to have him back here in Ireland and uh, this whole idea that he has and it's all from the heart he so wants to do this he's very mm. passionate about it and I hope that I'd be able to help him along that's what mm. I'm trying to do in Navin mm. and, and what's moment. happening there's something happening tomorrow night isn't there yes yeah, yes the New Grange Hotel we're having a cultural heritage celebration in the New Grange Hotel and a lot of the businesses in Navin are coming to see us and talk to Martin and some other people about a, a monetary side Quintrick and that's something I'm working with two girls in Navin on in an office as well. Explain and what that is. is. What is that? So, um, how do we explain that one, Martin? Go- Come on. Okay. <laughs> this this chap who works with us, Larry, his name is, and he he he's really into this stuff. He's a lawyer in America, and he when he was still at law school, he started doing mediation work, and then he realised when he met me through a friend of his. That what I'm talking about is what he was doing. Mm. And cause even though Brett Law doesn't operate, the system does in some places, and that was one. And so he got very involved, and he's also a financier, 
And so he's, he's, um, he came to realise, because I talked about it at some stage, about how in the days of when we all lived under Breton law without the interference, gold and silver was the coin. Mm. And now I, I have no wish to challenge anything about the Oroxus in Dublin or any of those things. Oh, the monetary system? Yeah. Oh, no, no, I've no... It, You're staying in the euro, yes? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so handy when you have to go from A to B. <laughs> <It certainly> is. <laughs> but... Um, I'll give you an example of why I think it's so good. When I turned 70, all my friends in this, who worked with me on this, they got together to give me something for a present. And they rang me up in, in, in the morning of my birthday and they said, we've, got, we, we, we've passed a hat around, if you like, and we've managed to put together $15. So this was three years ago. I said, oh, thank you very much. And then he said, but these are not ordinary dollars. These are the gold dollars from George Washington. My, oh, my. And so we, booked, we had booked a meal for our just a small number of family and some very close friends that we work with a lot, you know. And it was a five course meal in a or sort of four or five course meal in a five star restaurant. And those fifteen dollars covered the whole cost of everything. Okay. So there were more value in those yeah, dollars of right. course than yeah. you know what and, yeah. they said on face value. Yeah. But getting back to what you're trying to do, you're trying to establish an awareness of this system. I am. How it worked, how fair it was, yeah. how people were dispossessed when it was blown yeah. apart oh, by yeah. people who came to this country and <laughs> took over. Yeah. But what ultimately is your aim? Is it only an educational thing? Do you just want people to be aware of this? Because remember, and you've said it, I've noted several times yourself, that you don't want to disrupt the monetary system. You're never going to get the land back that once was. Mm. Yeah. You know, and I, I think today, obviously, if you've discovered there's a Brehen connection to your title, there must be other people listening in yeah. Louth oh, and yes. Meath and yeah. beyond yeah. today who have these ancient titles well, as well. I worked in this area for a while, um, and, and, and I'm, I'm very conscious that there are such people around. Yeah, OK. Uh, yeah, yeah. But what do you want to do? Do you want to set up something here? Well, we want to get this, her- this heritage thing moving to okay. get to, to, so that it becomes part of people's life. I want, <clears throat> I want those of us who work in this now to live as if we were under Breton law as much as possible and okay. how we interact. I understand now. I right. get you. We yeah. have it. This yeah. is the nub of the point. It is. You want to return to the values? Yep, the values. That existed in yeah, that time. Yeah. The way we lived as a community, supported mm-hmm. one another, there yeah. was more fairness, more equity, and people were looked after. Is that it? That leads to something else. What Something else is when people see us yes. and what we can have, yeah. they say, I want a bit of that. Okay. And that's what I'm... Okay. So if you, that you, happens, I'm, I'm succeeding. Yeah, I, I'm with you now, and, and I'm, I'm right on it. You look at Australia, and you said what's going on there. Look what's happening in America, in the Middle East, with this bloody Brexit yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. The world is a wild place at oh, this yeah. point in time. We need another rally to sort it out. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, I'm your son. <laughs> you're the man, Tiger, as they say. You're the man, is right. Mm. Yeah, but, you know, Jacinta, I, I see it now and I, and I get it fully now, what, what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, so so I get it as well because it took me a little while as well. Yeah. And so I had to, in Navin with these two girls that I work along with, we had to go out and explain to the people in the shops Yes. what this whole view was about. Yeah. And not just about the monetary system, which is what we would like the shops to get involved in, but also the other things. And we've met some lovely people in Navin, people that I wouldn't have even known before, uh, that I've got involved and they will be in the New Grange tomorrow night as well. They're taking part in, in all this and they yes. listen to Martin. And it, it was lovely to see how 
they understood exactly. Some people just get it straight away. As soon right. as we st- we started to see talk how about slow it. I am, you know, yes. it's taken me so, half an hour. Yes. Oh, that's very quick, Jerry. That's very quick. He's <laughs> a fast man, isn't he? <laughs> we, we, we have. Um, yeah. Go on. Yeah, sorry. We've Emer from Bakelicious in Navan and Martin Crawford from Newsround, yeah. and they're just two of the people we've been talking to. Lots of people, and but that people. really, really, it clicked with them exactly what Martin wanted. And it's tomorrow night open door policy. Can anyone anybody, come along? Yes, anybody. Yes. And what time does it start door. in the new range? Seven o'clock in the Seven new o'clock. So it's an open door. If you, if you feel we've touched on something today, you understand what we're getting at. You can see where Martin's coming from. They'd love to see you there tomorrow evening. I, you know, I felt like a pair of greyhounds coursing a hair there for the last <laughs> half hour. I don't want to touch the hair, but I do want to understand yeah. how he feels. And I do now. I absolutely do get what you're saying. And it's a noble wish, mm. I have to say. And in the world of today, I think it's something that would make a big, big difference. Thank you, Jerry. To an awful lot of people's lives. That's, when, my, that's what I want. That's mm, all I want to do. Mm. You're looking hale and hearty. You think so? You mentioned <laughs> you mentioned an age there. I don't believe <laughs> it, You're cutting us on I'm, the age. I'm really 21 in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> How long oh. are you home for? Uh, this week and next week and a bit more. Isn't okay, it? okay, remember. great, yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. And then you're heading back and yeah. uh, we wish you well. Anyway, it's been a pleasure. I have been in the presence of royalty today. Royalty in a very special way. I want to thank you for coming to Late Lunch today. Lord Martin O'Reilly, the O'Reilly Prince of Breffney. Good luck tomorrow. Enjoy your trip and best wishes. One more, have you? Do you want to get Just quickly? one small thing. Yeah. Tomorrow night is going to be a little bit of talk about all this. Yeah. But it's going to be music, dancing, singing, eating. Woohoo! Oh, yeah, yeah. Very important. Re-roll. Especially when you're Irish. It's Rulia Boulia. tomorrow night. God bless you all. Thank you for joining me Thank on the show. Thank you, Thank you. After the break, it's the fourth in our special feature this Road Safety Week. Every road has a cross to bear. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, the Renault Dealer of the Year and most Google-reviewed dealership in Ireland. For award-winning customer service you can trust, visit us today. Blackstone Motors, drive with peace of mind. 041-983-1100. The young man killed in a road crash in County Meath yesterday has been named locally. 33-year-old Patrick O'Connor from Ballina Close, Kilmainham Wood, died after the car he was driving struck a wall at Kilberry on the Navan-Kingscourt Road. He was taken to Our Lady's Hospital in Navan with serious injuries but was pronounced dead shortly afterwards. Today I'm on another road with a cross to bear. I'm in County Meath and I'm on the Navan-Kingscourt Road, not far from Kilberry Cross. And I'm joined today by Helena and Gerry O'Connor whose son Patrick lost his life in the spot we're standing here on the 9th of November 2013. Thank you both very much for joining us this afternoon on this very special week. Thank you. Take me back to that time. Your last memories of Patrick and what you can recall. The last conversation I had with Patrick was on the Friday. He had called out to me in the house. His dad wasn't there. And Patrick was always very caring, affectionate type of chap he'd come in he'd give you a hug well ma'am I love you and he made tea and we probably smoked a cigarette and we sat and we chatted and when he'd get up to go the same again arm around you love you ma'am see you tomorrow and I said to him Patrick do me a favour son and look after yourself you're all we have left on Irish soil and Patrick said to me you're stuck with me ma'am because only the good day young that's the last words Patrick said to me and Jerry, like the reason Helena says that here because you lost another son and you have one daughter now who lives in Australia that is correct we're just left with Judith now we lost Gavin and two years later we lost Patrick 
So after Gavin died in tragic circumstances as well, you would never believe that your other son would lose his life. Never. Never, ever, ever. And we lost more than Patrick that day. We lost our faith as well. We're just two zombies now. Get up and keep plowing on. Just terrible, an invisible pain that nobody can see. And you carry it forever. That's just the way it is. What's your last memory of him? <sighs> Jerry, well, I, I can't really say it because I can't remember things anymore as to what the last day could have been out in the workshop. He could have been serving this car, you know, and he was a great fellow for being under the bonnet and working away all the time. And if I ever needed a spare pair of hands, he was always there. Always. He was good with cars, he wasn't was he? Good. He was a qualified diesel mechanic. He was indeed. He was very good with cars. What happened on the 9th of November 2013? I was coming out of our sitting room to go into the kitchen and Jerry came in from the workshop and he said to me, Nav and Gardy are after ringing. He said, Patrick's been in an accident and he's gone in an ambulance. And I said to Jerry, yeah, because we're going to bury our second son. And he said to me, please don't say that. And I said, well, it's true. I said, he's dead. I know before we go, he's dead. You felt that immediately? I had told my bereavement counsellor months before that that Patrick was next for the grave. Where did that come from? I just knew. It's like the night Gavin left, I knew he wasn't coming back. Uh, I prayed all night for Gavin to be kept safe and accident-free. And I got the opposite. And I knew in my heart and soul that Patrick was next. And I started bereavement counselling eventually. And he used to come to the house to me because I wouldn't leave the house. And I said to him one day that Patrick was next for the grave. And he said to me, no. He said, you're a grieving mother and you just have it in your head. And I said, no. I said, I am telling you now, Patrick will be next for the grave. And Patrick was next for the grave. What actually happened here, Jerry? where we stand today? It was a single vehicle collision. Patrick was heading for Navan, and the road to Navan coming by Kilbury service station, there was nobody in front of him or behind him, but he was meeting a line of cars heading towards Kingscourt. And it appears to be that one of the vehicles in the line of traffic indicated to pull into the petrol station. Obviously he pulled out a bit too far to see was there anybody coming, that he caused Patrick to swerve his car and he lost control. He never gained control and, and he was killed here at this spot then. At this very spot very where we stand spot here. Where we're standing here. Yeah, there was yeah. a witness. A witness at the inquest said the car in front of him went out across the front, the white line on front of Patrick, causing Patrick to swerve. And his car hit this wall where we yeah, stand. He was killed absolutely between the two houses. Yeah. He where damaged, we stand here. Yeah, both the two brothers live in both the houses, and both walls were damaged. It's painful to bring you back to that day, but after you got that call, what happened from there? We headed for Navan. And naturally enough, when we got here, the road was closed and a guarded car escorted us into Navan to the hospital in the back roads. And a guard got out of the car and Jerry said, is it bad? He said, yes, he said, he's dead. And Jerry started to shout and roar and he said to Jerry, pull yourself together. He said, you can't go in there. Upsetting people, roaring like that. And I took Jerry by the hand and I said, Jerry, we did it before, we'll do it again. That's the word she said. So we just quiet ourselves down and in and there was poor Patrick. I think he was asleep. Still warm. Desperate. Desperate. It's been just shocking for you. It's 
just upgraded. I don't know, Jerry. As I said, we're still here. We're still sick. We'll always be sick. There's no doubt. We can't drive the roads, but you meet a lorry, you think of Patrick all the time. We can't go to Nav to do a bit of shopping, but we have to drive by here, and then we're sick. And who goes shopping when you're sick? You can't. No, if we turn off at the cross up there, we always give him a salute. No matter, still the same. You can't go any place. There's with you all the time. You pass this spot all the time. Every morning I go off to do a bit of work, we drive by here. Now the tears would be flowing till I get to the first job and then I'd have to contain myself, as the guard said, and cop myself on and then go and do the job and then carry on. Why do you live you far from this spot here? We live just a far side of Narborough in a nice little place called Ballinaclose. And he was heading from there towards Navin? He was going from our house to Navin, yeah. He was. And he never got to it. Never got He was a very experienced driver. He was driving from, he was 17. He passed his car test at 17, rigid truck at 18, Arctic truck at 19. He drove an Arctic truck every single day of the week, all around the country, up and down narrow roads. And he goes up the road in his own car on a Saturday afternoon and he's wiped out. It's hard to reconcile that, isn't it? It's very hard. And, you know, he drove the truck and... There's a railway crossing down on the main road from our house, or looks up on the back of our house, and he never crossed it in the truck without blowing the horn. No matter what direction he was going, he would blow the horn at the truck. And there was for a couple of weeks he used to leave Kingsford at one o'clock in the morning to head for Cork to be there for such a time, and he would blow the horn at the truck crossing the railway. And on his wake, one of the neighbours said, "Fix sake, this truck horn woke me up every night of the week at one o'clock. And I was going, who the hell is blowing a horn? And it suddenly dawned on me, it's that Patrick O'Connor. <laughs> it was him. It was him. <laughs> it was him. Yeah. It's a straight enough stretch just where we are here. It's very, very straight, there's no doubt. But there's a lot of houses on both sides mm. and the petrol station. But we're very thankful to this day that even though this collision happened, we lost Patrick. He didn't hit any other car, there was nobody else injured in it. We'd hate to think there was somebody else injured or badly injured, you know, over a mistake that was made by somebody because we know nobody set out that morning to cause this accident. But people do make a, a, a mistake or an error of judgment and cause an accident. And I have to say, Patrick didn't have a seatbelt on him, which is a very serious thing nowadays. Should have had, you know, but can't do anything about that now. But definitely... You can't afford to take your eye off the road for a split second because at 60 mile an hour you're going to fare this in a couple of seconds. So that's one message you want to one send message. out today. Yeah, slow down, be more aware of what's happening. If you're in a line of traffic and you want to cross the road, lay back a while till you can see if there's anything coming. Don't move out until you're sure. Or it could be you that could be gone the next time. You know. It's almost five years, Helena, at this stage. Does, yeah. does the pain get worse? doesn't get any better like every day there's something to remind you of both of them or there's something they can you imagine the laugh they'd have at that or you know I say like Gavin lived at home but as Patrick didn't but they got on tremendously well together they were both very witty and they would be trying to outwit each other and I often say to Jerry can you imagine the fun that would be with the two of them if they were here yeah and like Judith was home with her children and I said to Jerry, can you imagine the fun that the children of the two boys had been here? And like, Judith 
their only sister. Judith's husband had no brothers, so the two little kids will tell you, we have no uncles. Mammy has no brothers and we have no uncles. You have her and you have those grandchildren. They're a long way away in Australia, but I know you've been out there and they've been here. Is it a help that you have her and have them? Does it help you at all? Well, it helps me because when the grandkids come, I become a young person. And my job is to take them up the fields and through different places. You forget about everything or and a told, different world. I told the people in Australia, Grandad brought us Robin Orchards. <laughs> a tradition in Ireland. A tradition in Ireland. <laughs> and bags and bags of big apples, the size of turnips. <laughs> they really loved it and they still talk about it, I, you know. Judith has said to her dad, do you know how that sounds in Australia when they tell people, Grandad brought us Robin Orchards? <laughs> uh, loved it, they really loved it. And I, I had a wonderful time with them in the home. Well, then we'll then settle down at night and go for a pint again with Judith, my daughter. She likes that. So, mm. so there yeah. is joy with yes, tremendous sadness like, in your you know, lives. Yeah. Jerry, we have to... Like, how I tell myself is we're not the only parents in the world no. that lost two children. And we have still a lot to live for. I have Jerry, Jerry is me. We have Judith, we have the two grandchildren in Australia. We have Patrick's daughter, Leisha, and our brother, Ben. We have a lot to live for. And she is living because, looking at that lady there, she had lung cancer there about two and a half months ago. She had the left-hand side of her left lung removed. And two weeks ago then she had breast cancer. She's here talking to you on the side of the road. So she ain't going any place, Sherry. You are wonderful, wonderful really. people. I know I said this when I met you before. I really mean that. And it's it's not easy today. And I wish you well, thank Helena, you very with, much, your, thank with you your journey <laughs> at this point in time. And I want to thank both of you for standing here with us today beside this little bunch of flowers that remember where your son Patrick died back on the 9th of November 2013. And there is another good little news vignette at the end of this one today. A little memorial will stand here soon. Yes, we, we got permission from both houses here. And they were wondering why we didn't come up. But who wants to put a, a, a headstone or something in front of somebody's house? Nobody does. So we're going to make a nice little heart with Patrick's picture on it and maybe his name and his date on it. And that'll be nice. Today, as we stand on the Navin Kingscourt Road, you can hear how busy it is there. We stand, I say again, on another road with Across the Bear. And there will be... A lovely little memorial here soon to Patrick O'Connor, who lost his life here on the 9th of November 2013. Thank you so much from my heart to both of you, Jerry and Elena O'Connor. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Jerry. On Road Safety Week 2018 and every week, slow down, concentrate, never ever drink and drive, be courteous to other road users, and remember, every road has a cross to bear. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.